everyone! Welcome to Writing Easy, the podcast that takes the act of writing, which can sometimes be eh, not so easy, and tries to make it less eh, not so easy. I'm one of your hosts, Mary Mascari. And I'm your other host, Melissa Long. This week, we are going to talk about editors. And uh, what they are, do you need one, what do they do, why do they do it, is it really just spelling corrections, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I found this uh, really overwhelming when I was publishing my first novel, because you have, especially when you do indie publishing, you know, when you think, oh, I'm going to go traditional publishing, I don't have to, you know, somebody's going to buy it, they're going to handle everything, and they're going to walk you through mm -hmm. that. But when I you, you do it on your own, you're like, oh, I guess I need to hire an editor. And you have no idea what you're actually paying for, or who's the right editor. And yeah, now more people are indie publishing than ever. It is scary to uh, to think about that, that you're like, you're giving all this money over to someone else and like, what what for? And, and what if they hate it? And yeah. So I think we could talk about what different kinds of, there's different kinds of editors, right? There's yeah. some, there's they do different things and you need different ones at different times. And I think it's an important distinction to make so you can understand what kind of editor you need for different parts. So there are editors that will just proofread. Right? They will just look at your thing and say, you know, for spelling, grammar, punctuation, all that sort of stuff. Um, they might do a little bit of, like, they'll go into sentence, but, like, only if it's, like, the sentence is unclear, like, an antecedent is wrong or something like that. You know, like, well, that's a, if you've got any participles dangling, they will find them for you and uh, trim them off. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that kind of editing we often think of because that's what we're taught in school, right? Is you mm -hmm. write a draft, you revise it, and then you, you edit it and you just look for grammar, incorrect things, typos. And that's what we hear about most when people are critiquing mm -hmm. published works. They're like, oh, God, this editor must have been awful because I found a typo in this, you know, New York Times bestseller. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that happens all the time. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sure. It's a lot of words. Did you like the story though? So <laughs> shut up. Yeah. <laughs> right. And a lot of people. And that's the last thing that happens. It's the absolute last thing. If you do it too early, you are wasting your money. Most often, like a proofreading happens on the actual proof, like on the very final document before it goes to publication, or it's like a um a big giant sort of like PDF that is actually mm -hmm. marked on by hand so that they can see the layout and the formatting and catch those weird, you know, dangling sentences um, or any kind of space breaks that are odd. They're also looking at mm -hmm. formatting, like making sure the titles are consistent and in the right place and all of the layout is looking right on the final copy before you pay a lot of money to get it printed. Yeah, and that's why it is called proof reading. It is a yep. proof. Like, here, look at this. Is this right? Is it? Because you speak now because if it's not right. Yeah, that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. This is like the last thing. Um, you should do it though, I think. Uh, even if you're a good uh, good at grammar, good at spelling, I think it's probably a good idea to have that, have someone else who, who knows their strunk elements of style inside and out to, uh, to look this over. Because obviously, even if you're good at spelling and everything, you're going to miss stuff, right? Because you've been looking at it so much that your brain is just like, I don't know what any of this is, blah, blah, blah. So... It's a good idea to do, but that's not the first thing to do. That's like the last thing to do. Right. And and to your point, like stepping back from 
the proofreading, there is a difference between proofreading and copy editing, even though a lot of people will use those terms interchangeably. And sometimes the same people will do both of those jobs because a copy editor really is looking at all of the style usage. They're looking at, they'll flag word repeti repetition or incorrect usage of a word. They'll correct like POV or tense shifts, um, mm -hmm. inconsistencies in description. So if your character had blue eyes and now they have brown eyes, like a good copy editor will catch that. A, a proofreader is going to be like, you spelled brown right. <laughs> They may not, I mean, if they're, if they're paying attention, they might flag that for you, but that's not their job. Like they're looking at pure line word sentence structure. Like is everything right? Technically. Mm -hmm. So we've got three different, we've got two already and none of them are actually care if your story is any good at this point. Right. You know, so, so we're kind of backing up, we're going backwards. The other kind of editor and probably the one that, um, it's certainly going to be the most important one to find, make sure the important one you have a good relationship with to find the right person is a developmental editor. And this is the person who will read your story and help you make it better from a story perspective. Yes, they're my absolute favorite. And this is what I like to do when I'm um, working. I don't, I'm not interested in copy edits. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me pull out my hair. Uh, but developmental editing, I love because it is much more about the structure of the story, the motivations of the characters, like are the characters really fleshed out? And is it consistent? Um, you know, what's working? It's, it's making sure you have the foundations of the story that you're trying to tell on the page. And it's, it's a... They'll tell you if it's good or not in, to a certain extent. And you work together, you know, to make sure that you're, you're doing the right thing. So obviously this is a very important person to choose correctly, right? Because you guys are now working together on this piece. And if they don't get what you're trying to do, it, this could end up being very bad. It's, it's, but it's different from a critique partner, right? This is a professional. Your critique partners are not the same thing. Now, here's a question. Uh, if your critique partners are really, really good, can you skip having a developmental editor? Is that a necessary step if you are, imagine self-publishing, if you're doing traditional publishing, you'll just get one. Um, but some, And sometimes your agent will do that too, but that's a separate issue. Is that really necessary? Is it absolutely critical to have, a, to hire a developmental editor? I do not think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really helpful if it's your first novel, if mm -hmm. you're new at this, or if you don't have a really solid critique group. That, like if you don't have another set of eyes looking at mm -hmm. your work who understand writing and craft. So not like your parent or your husband or yeah. wife or your, Unless you know, your like parent not somebody who just is, loves you yeah. and wants to read it, but like a real, like a writer who's, who's trained in this. Uh, mm -hmm. If you don't have that, then the developmental editor is hugely helpful. But if you have mm -hmm. that in other ways and you have a lot of experience, you know, the more repetition you do this, the more you can catch things. I think it becomes less and less necessary uh, to have that developmental editor. And I would argue even people who go traditionally published can benefit from having a developmental editor because often that's before you get an agent or before you get you sell your manuscript, like in order to get it mm -hmm. as polished as you need it and for somebody to want to invest money in you, 
Yeah. It's worthwhile to hire a developmental editor. And, you know, thinking about it, I imagine that makes the writing process easier, too, because you know someone's got your back, right? You know that you're putting this stuff out and you're, you could free you up a little bit because you're not trying to do all of it at the same time yourself. That might make, that might make even creating the piece in the first place easier, knowing I'm going to, I've got someone else who's going to help me. Yeah, I agree. I think that... We often talk about writing as a solo activity, and it is not. It is. It has never been. Even yeah. writing novels and books is not solo because traditionally you would have an agent and an editor who are both looking at your work, who are both giving you feedback, mm -hmm. and then they're going. Their whole job is to sell your work. They're part of your team, uh, and so mm -hmm. it is still a collaborative effort. And then as you get into things like I'm doing with film and television, they're definitely collaborative because that's just sort of the oh, yeah. first iteration or step. Um, but yeah, it's helpful when you know, like, you're not carrying the entire load of a story and sometimes to just bounce ideas off of. Because when you're having these conversations, someone may say, this isn't working in your critique group. They may be like, oh, I really like this, but it's it just doesn't. I just don't like this character. That comes up a lot. I just mm -hmm. don't like this character. Well, you can go to a developmental editor and, and actually have a conversation about what is not working with this character. And they can actually help you explore different ways to flesh out that character or help you problem solve in a way that maybe your critique group can't do. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Another really good point is that um, unlike your critique group, which probably does this for free or in exchange for you critiquing their stuff, editors are professionals and therefore get paid. <laughs> <laughs> you can't expect an editor to just read your stuff as a favor like you you wouldn't do that you wouldn't go to a store you would go to a restaurant and say hey can you uh i'd like a chicken caesar salad please oh can, can i just can i just have it just as a favor and they say no and i hear that a lot of people going to editors and just kind of expecting them to just read it and just tell them what's wrong with it it's like well no no this is this is my job this is what i do for a living and so be prepared to pay this person but then also, because you are paying for that, paying, uh, be prepared to work, you know, to talk to them, to kind of interview them, to get to know them, you know, making your decision because, you know, this is a, a partnership that you're entering into. Yeah. And from the editor perspective, a lot of editors will do sort of like a, a, almost like a trial where they'll say, mm -hmm. oh, give me your first 10 pages. And I like they will give you a rate based off of those first pages uh when i know when you're searching you'll google something and you'll get a list and you'll click on somebody's website and you'll be like i don't understand why there's not very specific rates and mm. sometimes there are and sometimes there are ranges for that very reason it depends on where you are as a writer how much work and time it's going to take to develop you and what additional edits you want to do so when i was publishing i had uh, I didn't have a developmental editor, but I had a copy editor and I had a separate proofreader. And my copy editor, the first one did both copy edits and proofreading. And then I had a separate proofreader who just read the final thing before I was like, it's out and it's live. Mm -hmm. And I needed those three sets of eyes, mine and then the two editors, just to make sure that everything was as tight and as polished as it could be. And you'd be surprised. Like there were always things that each oh, one yeah. of us missed. 
Yeah, because it's it's a lot. Like no no human being can get all this stuff. Like it's there's just our brains don't do that. And especially if as the author, you know, the one who's been staring at this piece and tearing it apart and putting it back together for the last, you know, year, six months, two years, who knows, to then have to turn off your brain and become objective about it. Like you can't anymore. Like you just like that's not how human brains work. We get used to things and then we start to ignore them. It's a you know, that's how we're how we do. So yeah, I could see absolutely missing very obvious things. Um and I'm desperately trying to think of an example and I can't right now. I know there there are some where I've had other people edit stuff I've done and they point things out and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that uh huh. So it's critical and don't feel like you have to do it yourself because you really shouldn't. Yeah. It's a lot of work too. I mean, the, even a 50,000 word book is what, 200 pages type. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a lot of pages. <laughs> like you, and it takes a long time, right? You can't just sit down and be like, I'm going to review this in three hours that I have in the afternoon. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's weeks of, of time and a good editor is fast but that's what you're paying them for. If you're yeah. not, that's not your strong suit, you know, you're going to be doing this for quite a while. And it can be very overwhelming to print off 400 pages or 500 pages of manuscript and be like, okay, now I have to read through this multiple times. <laughs> I remember for our master's program, I I had to do that because I didn't have an editor for my master's program. Um but I had to, I had to go make one final pass through my thesis novel, and I did it like I had a weekend. I actually had the computer read it to me. It's just in some attempt to kind of disconnect a little bit, so you know I have to, I can be a little bit more objective. And even that, just the it you know, read it to me, and I you know I found errors and found things and stuff. At the end of that weekend, my brain was mush. I was so exhausted, just I, mentally, physically, I just. Uh, and that that wasn't even a real big edit you know like I wasn't like really ripping this thing apart I was just trying to find spelling errors and inconsistencies and that exhausted me so it's a lot of work and that's what you're paying for on the plus side like it it can feel expensive it is an investment in you and your writing but it can also make you more accountable so editors Mm -hmm. the good editors often book up fast so you do need to (laughs) uh have this conversation before you're just like oh i want to print this in two weeks like let's let me find an editor who can read this right now like that's not going to happen you need to plan ahead and also have a a flexible time frame if you're going to wait until you're ready for an editor and know that they're not going to be able to respond right away but having that and knowing i was on my editor's calendar for let's say september that was Mm. a real driver for me to be like, I need to get 50,000 more words or I need to polish this up so that I can do my own pass before I hand it to them. Because there's nothing worse than giving them a crappy pass and then you're not getting your money's worth because they're correcting things that you could have corrected. It's like um, you clean the house before the cleaning lady comes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and part of that's like, really? You want to impress the cleaning lady? She doesn't care. But also because... I want her to spend her time, you know, doing the really grody stuff that I don't want to do or don't have time to do, whatever. Uh, and I can, you know, I could wipe down a counter. That's no problem. I want her to clean the window or whatever. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Clearly yeah. my I great knowledge the ceiling of uh, fan. I housework. Don't want you. <laughs> yeah. Ex- there you go. Yeah. You clean the ceiling fan. I'll take the, you know, 
I'll sweep the kitchen floor. That's fine. <laughs> so the last thing I think to mention about editors is, uh, I think cost is an important thing. Finding them is an important thing. How do how do you find an editor? Where do you where do you get one? Like just yellow pages. Yellow does, pages. Does anyone remember what the yellow pages are? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the best way is, well, there's a couple of ways. I think word of mouth is often often the best. So ask your other published friends who they're using uh, and get Mm -hmm. referrals. And that'll also help with knowing the person's structure or approach or or rates, all of that stuff. Uh, The Mm -hmm. other way that I used to do it was to look at my favorite authors in the acknowledgments section and be like, oh, this is who edited their book. (laughs) I would go to their website or Google them and uh, figure out if I could also have them edit my book. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, that and you can also just also ask around. I mean, there are a lot of writing communities, you know, online or in other places and just kind of say, hey. Who, who do you work with? Any recommendations? Because if they've got someone they've been working with, they're happy to recommend them. Um, so yeah, I think word of mouth is probably the best way to do it because it is, it's like a, finding a therapist. You can't just go, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, there are, there, I would say there are editors at every price range and depending on your project. Yeah. Like there's, I think it's, is it Upwork? But there's like Fiverr, there are people, I know editors who are really good who use Fiverr or used it to start getting clients um so there's a lot of different ways to what's fiverr you're saying i've never heard of that fiverr it's like it basically starts with gigs that are all five dollars and so you just post like what you can do for five dollars and then it goes up from there so it allows people to create sort of jobs or services and editing is one of those things and so you can get uh, like a quick proof edit of a you know, three page paper or something for five bucks. And you can see like, oh, for a hundred bucks, this person will do this thing. Oh, that's cool. You're allowed to talk to them. You'll have to ask them questions. They'll, you know, have them do a a sample edit for you for a a reduced fee or a smaller fee because they're only doing a couple pages. And, you know, if you don't like it, you're allowed to say, yeah, thanks. And they they want to do that. Don't feel bad about asking them to do that. A good editor Mm -hmm. will like, usually require that because they also want to know what they're getting into (laughs) yeah because they don't want to be editing some you know rando weird awful thing that's gonna just you know take forever to slog through um i mean or maybe they do and then they know well i'm gonna pay you know charge you extra for that so it's a it's don't feel bad about you know you're not auditioning for them you're hiring them so you gotta work together cool great well i think now we know absolutely everything there is to know about editing so one thing you may notice, um, if you pay attention to the numbering on our episodes, uh, irregular though they may be, uh, that we are getting into the high 90s. That's very exciting. What? I know. <laughs> We're doing this. Like, I can't believe I've, I've never stuck with anything this long in my life. Well, I mean, okay, I've been married for 22 like, years. Okay, uh, that. <laughs> yeah, okay. True. All right, never mind. I have been married for a very long time. So yeah, okay, marriage and this. That's really it. Um, but yeah, so we've got a 100th episode coming up. And uh, we're going to try to do some fun stuff. And then, uh, Melissa, was there something you wanted to... Yeah, when this comes out, uh, I will be attending the In Your Right Mind workshop. It is virtual this year, so you can still buy one-day passes if you haven't got your pass already. You don't have to miss out. But there's um, editors there. They're doing pitches. There's a lot of great panels. And then uh, I'll be doing a workshop on 
uh, I think the title is like, is your novel ready for Hollywood? And so it's going to be nice. all about uh, the questions of like, how do you sell your novel or pitch your novel to a Hollywood producer? And what does the adaptation process look like? And, and can you do it yourself? Can you write your screenplay yourself? And remind everyone of the dates of that. So that is July 8th through the 11th. Excellent. Oh, it's a good time. And then next year, hopefully it'll be uh, in person. You should come to that too. Uh, but this is kind of, it's kind of a nice way to get a quick little, you know, one day hit. I recommend you go. We'll yeah. put a link to it in the notes and everything as well. It's open to the public. Anybody can go. Anybody. Well, I think with that, we will wrap up and just remind everyone that writing is hard. So take it easy. I'm Mary. And I'm Melissa. Bye. Bye. Bye.